Welcome to the Plexus Presidential Podcast Series. We are excited to have Dr. Thomas Burns, President, and Brian Haslett, Vice President of Enrollment Management of your College of Pennsylvania, as our guests. So I always love to start off with the mentors that help shape your path. And so, Dr. Burns, I'll go ahead and start with you, and then, Brian, you can go next. Okay. Fantastic. So I went to college at Dickinson College, and my story is that I thought I wanted to be a dentist. Uh, clearly, that didn't work out so well for me. I, I passed out at the sight of blood, so not a good, not a good mix. And so um, I had this fabulous teacher. I, you know, Dickinson has a language requirement, so I had to take my my uh, Spanish language requirement, and uh, I got in an eight o'clock Monday through Friday Spanish class with the most incredible faculty member, Keith Brower, and he just ignited my love of teaching. I never expected this to be something that I would do, and he was just phenomenal. So much so that I signed up to take his class at eight o'clock the next two semesters in a row. So really, really did a great job. And then uh, my faculty advisor when I was at Dickinson, Cindy Samet, also sort of helped me realize that, hey, this could be a career, not just something I enjoy doing, but, but a career. And then last but not least, uh, Bob Fisher, who was the president at uh, Belmont University for 21 years. He brought me on as provost. I worked with him for 10 years. He was an incredible uh, guide and leader and really helped me think about what long-term future in higher education looked like for me. And I don't know that I'd be a president if it hadn't been for working with Bob for so long. Yeah, Bradley, same kind of history was Dr. Burns. You know, I came into higher education, um, you know, early in my career and I was sitting in my office and the phone rang and I looked down at the the phone and it was the president's office. And I, I was like, Oh, I've only been here for a little bit of time. What did I do wrong? You know, I got the president calling me and picked up the phone and, uh, and it was Dr. Gallagher at Philadelphia university. And he said, Brian, he goes, we, I saw that we just hired you. I'm an alumnus. Uh, we both went to the same school. Um, I'd like to start to have lunch with you at least once a month to talk a little bit about higher education. And those meetings with him was just a kickstart to my career um, very early, and you know, here I am, this you know, young guy out of college, very green, but learning from them, you know, what are the things I need to do to make sure that I, I produce, you know, exceptional work, high quality work, and um, and then that really made me interested in my pathways through higher education as well. So every stopping point that I've had throughout my career, I, I've you know, I've looked for individuals that can provide that mentorship to me. I think it's, and then. I try to do the same for my team. I try to reverse that role and try to mentor as many people as I can in the profession because it's it's a profession that I'm passionate about. And I want to see more people involved in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, the competition. So let's talk about the market. Many, many people would say the market's saturated. Um, so so how does York College of Pennsylvania, how do you compete? And And Dr. Burns, we'll start with you. So I think there are a couple of ways that we compete. So when you're thinking about what do you want to do with your college experience, you know, my wife and I joke all the time, everybody's got a chemistry major. We're chemists. So why do you pick the place where you're going to go? Well, the reason you pick your college instead of, say, another place where you can study chemistry is because we are really focused on experiential learning and hands-on experience 
and taking what you do in the classroom, moving into the community and the relationship between New York College and New York City, New York County is extremely strong. And so regardless of your major, you're going to be taking what you learn in the classroom and applying it to real world situations really from day one. And so that's one of those exceptionally important things. The other piece for me is that having having recently come from Nashville, where there's 25 or 30 colleges or universities in, in the same area, York College is the biggest college in York County and York City. And so we have a lot of opportunity to have good, positive, direct connections with nonprofits, the local government agencies, the, the state government in Harrisburg is close by. So our students really have easy entree into those good, important connections of internships, co-ops, and, and hands-on learning with nonprofits in the community. So it's, it's a rich and vibrant kind of place for you to not just get an education, but learn how to live life. Yeah, and from the enrollment perspective, our community here is very career-focused. Um, a lot of the high schools will talk about career readiness, and your college is a great blend with that. So we provide that real-life experience that students may not have that opportunity to get their um, hands-on early in their academic careers. I mean, I'll give you an example. I mean, we have an alum in Dubai that we were able to send a, a group of students in our hospitality management program to Dubai, he, and they had this you know, experience that they'll never be able to duplicate um, through this experience with this alum that ultimately is going to provide them real life experience. It's going to open up tremendous doors for them into the future. So I think that's the big thing that we've been able to really produce here at the college is that linkage between the education that they're receiving from York, but then how does that going, how are they going to apply that for that first step after they leave the campus? Absolutely. You know, you know, another piece of that, too, for me is that we were the ugly duckling of higher education, where the combination of liberal arts and professional education, you can do everything here. And you don't realize just how beautiful that is until you look at a place where you can't become an engineer if you discover that after you get to college or you can't change between chemistry and nursing. We're a place where all of that is available and we do it at an incredibly reasonable price, which is another piece of the higher education competition marketplace that that a lot of times we don't look at is that what's the what's the entry price and here we're very very reasonable always have been because we're trying to help people get into education as opposed to feel like they can't achieve or they're going to have such a large debt burden they can't be successful long term well and and you know just to, to continue that that thought around affordability access and affordability yeah can you talk a little bit more about you know, being able to compare a private versus versus a public, right? Because I do think there is that misperception and maybe even sometimes an automatic reaction from students and parents going, well, public's cheaper. I'll go there. Right, right. Having, having worked at uh, publics and privates and even at an Ivy League institution, I can tell you that the value proposition is more than just dollars and cents. It's about opportunity and engagement. So what you get at a private liberal arts or, you know, private regional, you know, master's intensive institution is really a lot of exposure, and a lot of personal attention. And it's not always what you're going to get at the public. And we're not one of these elite privates where we put an enormous sticker price on there so we can give you a big, big discount and make you feel good about it. We, we start at a reasonable price point and say, look, we're a place that cares about your financial well-being. 
as well as having, you know, providing you with an incredible array of tools. I, uh, I talked to families during preview day or, or open house about the idea that we have equipment here that you'll find at, you know, every R1 institution. The difference is our undergraduates get to use it from day one. It's not there for the graduate students and postdocs. It's there for all. I'm a chemist. So I always say, look, all the toys are for you. You know, you get to do this right here. And it turns into very rich opportunities for them later on because they leave here knowing how to use the tools of the trade because they did it as opposed to I saw one in the corner of the lab kind of thing. Yeah, I think our students are constantly talking about that exact point is that they are getting to engage with equipment, engage with faculty, staff, um, literally from that first day that they step foot on the campus. And, you know, that's not always the case at, at other institutions that you you may, you know, graduate students might be using the equipment at that institution and our undergraduates are using it here. And I do think value is important. I think it's something that we take a lot of pride in providing um, you know, really strong price point and but also a high level of quality associated with that price point as well. So let's talk a little bit about stackable credentials and, you know, a phrase that I often hear, uh, you know, meet students where they are. And so, you know, whether that be certificates or, you know, uh, you know, degrees, undergraduate, graduate, online, on campus, can you can you talk a little bit about how are you helping students, you know, meet them where they are? So I think there's a couple of things, and this is really it's an interesting topic in higher ed because we talk about it, but we don't often deliver it. So I've been having the conversation here over the last three months since I started about how do we devise a system? How do we position ourselves to be seen as the educational provider wherever somebody is in that spectrum. So from associate's degrees to certificates to bachelor's, master's and PhDs and everywhere in between. How do you create an environment where folks look to your college or any college or university to say, I need to retool or upskill and so I can go and take that on and, and figure out how to do that. At the undergraduate level, I think there's been you know a lot of discussion about four-year schools not wanting to have associate's degrees. And I always ask myself, well, why? You know, there's a way that that brings somebody into the pipeline and into the conversation, and they may not know where they're going to end up. So why not allow them to start in a place where they could also finish, go all the way through if they wanted to? And then there's also this idea of stackable credentials, which I think we're all sort of trying to figure out what does that really mean? Because you can't just simply stack them on top of it and call it a degree. You've got to have some some coherence to the program. And so as we think about the skills and, uh, you know, and, and knowledge that someone needs, how do you create that, that compartmentalization that gives you that sort of credential, but also is coherent with the rest, rest of the program? And so we've begun to experiment with the idea that if an employer says they want somebody with good communication skills, how do you help illustrate those good communication skills through a collection of courses or the places where you can document that skill achievement, as opposed to just simply saying, I was a major in business or I was a major in communications. It's almost a hybrid of the uh, co-curricular transcript, where it's not about the programs you participated in so much as the skills that you've been able to develop and how do you articulate that to an employer. 
So I think we're having a conversation about how do we infuse that throughout all of our programs so when our students are out on the job market, they're able to articulate clearly that these are the skills I have, these are the things that I've learned, and here's how I, I applied them. That that applied learning piece, I think, is really critical in that when a, when a student has an experience that they can then, you know, their eyes light up, they, they, they tell the story, that helps them really demonstrate not only the skills and knowledge, but the passion they have for that activity. Yeah, I think, too, the, the thing that we've been doing, I think, to go back to one of your original questions about how we continue to compete and thrive is that we've been doing a lot of listening and, and with our local um, businesses and partners in the community to try to put together programs here that are viable for their, their, their teams. So if we know that there's a particular company that has a particular need, we're trying to figure out how do we put those academic programs together to make it um, something that they may want to seek out for their their employers and employees. So um, I think that's something that the partnership with the community has been another aspect of, you know, the key pieces that Dr. Burns just described as well. Absolutely. Now, and Brian, I'll start with you. How do you define student success? Yeah, so student success, one of the things I've taken a lot of pride in is that we, you know, we take a lot of pride in admitting students to graduate. So when we look at a student from day one, we're making sure that they have all the key things in place that they're going to be able to cross that stage in four years and 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 be successful. Um, so we're looking at you know what are the things that we can put together that are going to provide the academic opportunities for them, but also the social opportunities for them, but ultimately making sure that we have all the resources in place here to make sure that they do succeed and cross that stage. So success for me is really defined in two parts. It's it's a bit of effort on the student's part. And it's a lot of effort on our part to make sure that we're providing the things that are in place for them to succeed. You know, I would say that that in higher ed, it's been really easy to point to things like retention rates and graduate graduation rates as, you know, student success. But a lot of times what I think the, the harder things for us to quantify and possibly the more important pieces of that is, has the student found the life that they were after? Have they been able to do the things that they imagined? And sometimes that's not about degree attainment. So I'm not the college president's going to say that you shouldn't graduate, but sometimes you you learn enough or learn what you need in a year or two that you go on and find a fabulous career, uh, and and that's okay. And so it, you know we have to be really careful sometimes about just saying graduation rate or or retention rate when we really ought to be looking at have we have the students gained what they need to be able to pursue the career or the life that they're after. And remembering that many of them may come back later on and finish up or choose another degree or upskill in some other way. And so how do we how do we position ourselves to think about success in a, in a broader way that it's a little harder to quantify, I'll admit, but it's also more about long term success than just they cross the stage, which isn't a bad marker, but it's not it's not the only marker. Absolutely. So, you know, you both have talked about <clears throat> local relationships. You know, can you expand on how important are those local re relationships with the community and also with businesses? Yeah. So I think they're incredibly important because we, you know, we live and work here. And so part of our job is to help support student growth, but it's also helping to develop students into citizen leaders wherever they're going to call home. And many of our graduates stay in York City or York County. And so this helps us, you know, prepare them to be contributing members to society. So we have a, a project that we're, we're nearing completion on called the Knowledge Park. And the Knowledge Park is 
sort of a next level incubator of business and college and city relationships. So it takes companies that are either, you know, just out of the incubator stage or some that are well established, but they've got a new idea or a new initiative they want to pursue. And they're going to find value in engaging with faculty and students while doing that. So we've renovated uh, an old paper mill right next to campus that was just sitting empty for a long time. And we're putting in these, these partners, some nonprofit, some for-profit, who are committed to engaging with our students and faculty to help develop their program and their business, but all with the idea that as we see this, this is going to generate more opportunity in York City, maybe spin off new businesses, maybe increase our tech competency. But the idea is helping take business leaders and develop new business ideas connected to the college and serve the community. And I think that's that's where the, the the true gift of having a college in your town comes to play is that you are you're a good citizen, you're a good partner, and you're engaged in helping develop community activities. Yeah, the only the other example I would share is that we have um you know across the country we have a, a need for more educators, more teachers. And what we've been doing with a local high school is that they um, reached out to us and said, would you like to develop a partnership with us, with our students, our future teachers club? Would you have an interest in building a partnership with us where you would you be willing to come over and teach some courses at this particular high school to get students more interested in, in education? And we've now developed a program where those students are going to get credit, your college credit. We're going to be able to teach the courses at their high school and hopefully develop a pipeline to York for the development of future teachers for our community as well. So, Brian, this question goes to you. When you are uh, when you are doing campus tours with mm -hmm. families, what's the what's the number one question you get from parents? It, you know, it's changed over the years. Uh, the, the the questions used to be, you know, a lot about the campus itself, you know, like, you know, how many, you know, classrooms do you have? How many, and it's really transitioned into where they're asking really about support. What, what are the support um, functions that the college is offering to make sure that my student's going to be successful? And I don't know if that's a transition from, you know, the pandemic to where we are today or, but they want to make sure that there's a, a safety net in place for their students to make sure that both inside the classroom and outside the classroom, there's going to be things in place to make sure that they're taken care of and that they're successful in their experiences. So it's definitely transitioned a lot where, you know, I, I think the days of, you know, asking about, you know, how many particular things are in this building or that building are not the case anymore. They're really talking about what are the tangible things that you have in place to make sure that my, my student's going to be successful. We often talk about it in, in our cabinet meetings being the idea of we need to curate experiences. So students are coming to say, I just want to be an education major. They want to be an education major that does study abroad, or they want to be an engineer that does co-ops and internships. And so we've got to do a really good job of helping them see themselves doing those activities. You know, I think if you look at you know, entering student data, you'll find at most colleges and universities, uh, the majority say they want to do study abroad. And then you look at it at graduation and 10% do. So there's this disconnect between, you know, what they say they want to do and then what they're able to do. So part of our job is to help take what they say they want to do and breathe life into it and make sure that they, they see it as an expectation that they will study abroad or do an internship or be engaged in a research project in the community. And that, that if, if we put it there and talk about it and, and, you know, sort of present it as an experience, they're much more interested, much more engaged than just saying, Hey, I want to be a chemistry major. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll ask about those, you know, the campus tour uh, example. Again, we talked about parents. What's the number one question you get from students? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think they're, you know, students are, you know, students today are very, they're, they're, they're spending a lot of time observing. You know, I think that they, they, they tend to be a little bit more passive in asking the questions sometimes on the tours, but they're very much looking for you know, they're looking for students that they can identify with. They're looking for that fit. Um, but ultimately, they, you know, the students, at least on our experience at York, they're asking a lot of questions specifically about their academic interests. And that's where our faculty do a great job of stepping in and, and doing a, a wonderful job talking about the hands-on experience, the experiential learning that they're going to be able to do in the classroom and outside the classroom. Those are the things that really, I think, for us, really make a big difference. We, we know at York, if a student visits the campus multiple times, our rates of um, our yield rates for those students dramatically increase. So we know that that experience for them coming here is something that the students are really looking for. And it's mostly, you know, it's engaging with the campus, but the, really our faculty and staff make a huge difference in that as well. Well, and I think, you know, when you look, let's talk a little bit about retention. You know, and I think it speaks to to what you both are saying about how strong the faculty is, experiential learning. Um, but, you know, I, I often hear, you know, diversity and inclusion doesn't mean a lot without belonging. And so you had talked about students from Dubai and international mm -hmm. students. And I know you have a large population that are outside of the states, mm -hmm. outside of Pennsylvania, but also international. So. How do you make sure that students do feel like they belong and they're also engaged so that they persist? Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things that, and we we do, we you know, the campus itself is made up of students all across the country. Um, we have a large group of students right now from Indonesia on our campus that we're, we're hosting this semester. Um, and I think what we do well here is that it, it's really a collaborative approach. Um, we make sure that there's elements, whether it's in academic advising that are working with students hand on hand. Um, our student life division does a great job of making sure that the students are engaged, that services are provided. Um, even down to, you know, from a, a wellness perspective, we have a wonderful wellness program here that we do with Campus Rec. So students are, are they're getting experiences both academically and socially. Um, we're looking at the total well-being of students here. Um, and I think those are things that are really make make York kind of stand out and 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 really students why they want to come here. Um, and it does pay off and and students, you know, happy students are students that are going to stay. Um, you know, because students today they do vote with their feet. I mean, they will leave if they're not happy with the experience. And you know, we have seen positive results in in those different elements of you know pertaining to success around retention. One of the uh, one of the conversations we've been having, trying to have with our students all 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 fall semester so far, is this idea of belonging. So really talking about how everybody has a place to be here, and we're all part of the same community, and we need to love and support each other. So I've been doing monthly recordings for the campus to introduce myself, and uh, you know I can't be everywhere all the time, but at least this uh, this brings me into their their social media stream. And one of the things that I said in in the one I recorded today was the idea that. You know, we're moving to that the middle of the semester. People are anxious. They've got midterms. There's a lot of things going on. Don't forget to say thank you. And that kindness can make our campus a much more welcoming place where everybody has a sense that this is a place that they can be happy and succeed. And so, you know, reminding people to smile, say, you know, hope you're doing okay and say thank you when somebody does something nice 
changes the climate, you know, changes the culture to one where people feel comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how are you all engaging alumni today? And Brian, I'll start with you. Well, we do a lot of different things to engage the alumni. In my in my area, one of the things that we're looking at, um, a new pilot type program that we're looking at doing is really, uh, we've been looking at secondary and tertiary markets for us. And one of the things that we've been looking at is how do we engage the alumni that are in those communities to partner with us to see how we can reach out to prospective students in their backyards. Um, so whether it's attending a college fair or um, adopting their local high school to go back and, and spend some time with the school and their students there are different ways that we're looking at engaging, at least from an enrollment perspective. Um, and we think that that's going to be beneficial as we look at new markets to expand into. I would say the other thing, we do sort of all the normal things. So we've got homecoming coming up this weekend, you know, so all the, the normal kinds of things, but uh, also beginning to leverage technology. So in the in the good old days, you'd fly the president all over the country to meet with your various alumni groups. But now that we're all a bit more comfortable with Zoom, uh, you know, so we've, we're hosting alumni Zoom conversations on a more regular basis. And those are, again, another way to you know, connect alums back to the campus where you don't have to involve travel for them. So, uh, and then that's intriguing because they always want to know sort of what's going on on campus and you can send them all the emails you want, but hearing somebody talk about it and making it more interactive is a whole lot more engaging. So uh, I, I've enjoyed doing that because I'm meeting a whole lot more alums a lot more quickly by just simply being available by Zoom and seeing what they have to say. Absolutely. Uh, talk about the experience of walking across campus. I know that might be kind of a general question, but that's got to be such a good feeling to walk out of your office. And whether you're with a parent or a student or an alum, but just that experience of walking across campus and going, wow, this is where I work. Yeah, I, so I'm, I'm the new guy here. And so I'm I'm thrilled about you know, everything that I see, and there's always new stuff that I'm learning. And sometimes I have to remind my colleagues that we really do have an incredibly beautiful campus with fabulous facilities and great students. Um, I've enjoyed the fact that that many of our students are actually not, you know, staring at their phone, but actually looking around. And when I say hi, they respond. You know, it's a it's a lovely uh, human connection. So, and we're we're heading into fall here, so it's a, it's about to get even more beautiful with the leaves changing. But we are we are blessed with a, a beautiful campus. Yeah, there's uh, there's not much I can add to that other than it's 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 fun to be back. You know, after the the pandemic, yeah. um, it's great to be able to walk across campus and see students sitting in the grass reading a book or engaging with each other. I mean, it's it elevates our energy. We get excited about it, and then that conveys over to you know, future students are looking at the college as well. So it's working at a college is a blessing. I mean, it's a great thing. It's a great experience. And, you know, I, I tell my friends and, and other colleagues that, you know, it's, it's a great place to be in a, you know, have a career in higher ed. It's a special place. So, so this question is, is for both of you, how you're at about 36, 3,700 students today. Is that right? Okay. So how, how big do you want to get or how big can you get? Oh, world domination. <laughs> no. um, I think we could easily get into the 4,500 to 5,000 range, um, but it's going to take us a while to get there. And we want to make sure that as we do that, we don't lose who we are. So in my conversation at Open House just last week, I was reminding parents and students that this is a place where we know your name. 
we know what you we know your story and we don't ever want to lose that because that's yeah. part of the richness of our college experience and so if we do get bigger we need to make sure that we're maintaining that that personal touch that personal attention that that high quality experience and so um, you know, we're working on some some housing growth and we we uh, did grow this fall with our first year class. And so we're moving in that direction, but it's, it's got to be incremental and it's got to be measured. And we've, again, got to not lose who we are in the process because that special connection between faculty and student is is incredibly important to long term student success here. Exactly what he said. <laughs> so, no, no, I, I think that. um. You know, I think that's, you know, he, he, Dr. Burns summarized it really well is that we've been, we have a great plan. We, we, you know, we, we have a strategic enrollment plan that we're, we're working towards. Nice thing about the plan is it can, we can pivot, we can change when we need to. Um, we're reassessing it now. And, you know, because, because of the success we had this year, we're, we're a little farther ahead in the plan than we thought we would be. So now we get to pivot a little bit and, and do a little bit more advanced forecasting to see where we can grow to. So I think it's, um, it's a great time for your college. I think we have, you know, we have new leadership and Dr. Burns and the, uh, you know, the faculty are engaging and all the elements are there to be a really successful, you know, place for students to come and thrive. So now the institution has been around since 1787. Is that right? Mm -hmm. My goodness. So my next question, I mean, where do you see yourselves in the next 10 years? I mean, it's such a you know, minimal amount of time, you know, compared to the, how long the institution's been around. But where do you where do you see that in ten years? Where do you see, where are you going to be? So we're still going to be located in New York. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we're we're certainly going to have grown and we're going to expanded the opportunities. So I come from a place where if you're not growing, then you're standing still, and if you're standing still, you're losing market share. So the only way you can continue to, you know work on a rich and growing environment is to grow. And so it's new majors, it's new programs, it's new opportunities. We've begun to invest a little bit more heavily in health sciences, like many places. We just happen to be uh, right at the nexus of a whole variety of healthcare entities and they all find themselves right here at our doorstep. And so there's a lot of opportunity for nurses, of course, but things like physician assistant programs, looking at PT and OT and really continuing to develop the relationships that we need to have to deliver what York City and York County need. And there's lots of opportunity. We've been growing primarily in professional programs, so I would imagine some more growth in engineering as well. And I think there's lots of opportunity for the business community to you know, connect more with us than they already have. I'd, I'd love to see more growth in an entrepreneurial program, simply because uh, York is a city that went through a very heavy industrial past, and as we move into a more modern future, there's a lot of opportunity for creative and entrepreneurial endeavors. And so uh, the city itself is beginning investing more in the arts. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity for art and design here and, and really creating an art corridor in the city. So I think we want to be part of all of those conversations. But it's all about new opportunities, new growth and new partnerships. Yeah, I think the, the linkage to York City is going to be really critically important for us as we move into the into the next 10 years or so. I think um, we have an opportunity to really let uh, our efforts allow this community to really thrive and grow. And I think that's something that I'm excited to be part of. Well, excellent. Well, t Dr. Thomas Burns and Brian Hazlitt, hey, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You are quite welcome. Thanks so much for having us on. Appreciate it.
Thank you for joining the Plexus Presidential Podcast Series. For more information on the series, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.